You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Arun Krishnaswamy on Data Science 101. Arun is a seasoned engineer leading with experience in building large-scale AI ML systems. He is currently leading machine learning efforts at Workday with prior experience building ML teams at Visa, Yahoo, Microsoft, and many startups. He is very passionate about helping organizations understand and use data to optimize business decisions and reach organizational goals. Arun, we've been talking about it for a while, man, but I can't tell you how excited I am to finally have you on the show. Welcome aboard. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. And I'm excited to Mark. It's, uh, you know, I've been waiting for this as well. So, uh, I mean, data science 101, like, you know, like it, there's probably tons of it. I'm not going to do a new flavor or anything, but I really want to kind of touch upon and, uh, you know, bring more people into this fold and get more people excited about data science, just like I was excited uh, many years back. So, you know, that's the goal. I love it. That's uh, it's, uh, noble. And it's definitely something that you and I have spoken about at length, um, not going anywhere. Uh, I can't tell you how much interest and inquiries we've received uh, from our marketing and sales leaders and our go-to-market leaders around wanting to know the other side of the coin here, trying to understand and wrap their heads around what data science is, how it can help them, how it really works. And I know we're going to probably be very much tip of the iceberg on this podcast, but um, we're very much looking forward to, to understanding uh, what you can teach us. So can you give us a background of maybe what is data science? Maybe we start there, maybe that basic. Uh, okay, so it's basically, it's been there for ages. It's not something new. Just because someone, uh, I think uh, it was coined, the term was coined as data science, uh, it looks like, okay, this is something new, but no, this has been there for ages, like um, right from the period of Newton or anyone else, you know, like even on the way to prehistoric thing, people have been using data to do things. You know, like it's basically data is empirical evidence that something has happened. And then you basically learn from it, get some insights, do things, you know. So it's been there all the time. But the, what had really happened is uh, a, the revolution of data, like, a, like collecting more data and getting more data grew so fast that there's suddenly there's a huge amount of data available. And then like people are like, okay, we have to do something with it, you know. Like earlier, there was a, there was a lack of these tools to get a lot of data. There's not much data available. And still people are doing a lot of statistics work and things like that. And they had issues with compute power and stuff. But there was this huge revolution in compute power. You know, machines became very small. You have a small iPhone, which can actually has the power of uh, like a maybe a mainframe computer, like uh, which is like a, 
which occupied an entire floor at some point of time. So that's sure. the change. And that compute brought in with the uh, ability to collect and process a huge amount of data. And that got excited. And uh, so that's pretty much it. So it still remains the same. Like data science is nothing but taking data, using the right tools to basically get the data, speak the answers to you for a lot of questions you have. So that's the simplest uh, thing. You know, it is science is because there is, a, I mean, anything science is, can be equated to uh, experimentation. You know, you do an experiment and figure out what is going on. So that's fundamental to any science, right? And they, you have data and then you actually start experimenting with the data and figuring out different ways to, you know, um, get your answers. So that is the reason why there is a science component there. So it's like, uh, because there's a lot of experimentation which goes on, you try different ways to solve the problems. It's not like, uh, you know, you write something and then that's the only way to solve it. There are so many ways to solve it and becomes more experimental. That is the reason that's the science component of it. And uh, yeah, to me, fundamentally it boils down to uh, using data to get insights. And there are multiple things, either you get insights from existing data or use the historical data to do predictions of the future. So that's where the distinctions, there are two elements to it. One is uh, we call them as uh, in different terms like business intelligence and you know analytics and all those things come into the picture where you have a lot of data and then you want to kind of uh, get like insights from the data. And then there is this other side, which is basically saying uh, predictive intelligence and you know like machine learning and all those uh, things come on the other side where it uses the same data, but instead of saying, analyzing just that data and giving insights from it, you actually use the data to predict the future of what's going on. So that is a distinction. So there's this distinction between business intelligence, which is just aggregating all the data and getting insights. And there is this predictive intelligence, which is basically predicting the future. So data science just falls into these two areas. So, you know, uh, that, that's probably my, my simplest definition. So it's a long one. But... <laughs> I love it. I, I, it makes it uh, easy enough for a layman like myself to be able to understand. And I like the fact that you're saying it's been around since Newton and Galileo and so oh, on. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, obviously, the, the advent of so much compute uh, technology and, and the ability to aggregate such massive data sets have really unlocked a lot of the um, capabilities that the data scientists can um, can really entertain now. It's interesting, the business intelligence versus predictive intelligence uh, units, if you will, I've never really thought about separating them. Um, and most organizations I'm familiar with, they are often on the same team, uh, maybe under one role or whatever it is, You know, either it's a, a DS role or a go-to-market role or an intelligence role that typically does both of those for the go-to-market side. But I can definitely see how they're uh, two functions or two different uh, facets, if you will. One of the things that uh, a lot of go-to-market professionals, including myself, um, were confused about early on and, and, and uh, there's a lot of ambiguity about is the differences between all of these terms, right? Uh, the difference between data science, machine learning, AI, artificial intelligence, and it get, I think they get thrown around so much. Can you, can you help add some clarity or, or help uh, the listeners understand the differences between them? Uh, sure, sure. 
So it's basically, I think data science, AI, ML, these terms are there, but it's all about the maturity uh, level of it. I don't make a distinction between data science and ML and all these things are, uh, machine learning is basically the term used by people who have a computer science background who do a lot of things with data. And data science is something used by people who have a stats background who do a lot of things. <laughs> the interesting thing is you need people from both states to do uh, statisticians doing machine learning and machine learning guys, computer science guys doing stats. It, it, and you know, it, you need skill sets from both sides. You know, you, if you want to be a, like a, a really powerful machine learning engineer or data scientist, you know, it doesn't matter. You have to learn the skills from both sides. You know, that's very paramount. But there is a big distinction between uh, an AI solution and an ML solution and stuff. Let's talk about that. I think there is a distinction there. Uh, because there's not much between data science and ML, they are just different terms used by different background people. But there is a distinction between uh, a, a, uh, ML, a, data science, ML, and uh, AI. The difference is nothing but the maturity of the machine learning uh, algorithm or the machine learning um, you're working on. For example, what is the goal of AI? AI simply put, it might have a lot of definitions. My definition, simplest definition is to uh, a machine or like an automation, not even a mission. I don't even want to call it as a mission, an automation, which replaces a mundane task by a user. So imagine there is a guy who's actually creating new plans and things like that, like a financial plan. You know, there's a financial planner. He's going into an Excel sheet, doing a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, manually. He's inputting all these values, uh, you know, doing all these things. Imagine there is a click of a button, all the work done by this person is replaced by someone else you know, like replaced by an, uh, like a software and an automation, right? So initially it's, it will be a machine learning project, which is kind of replacing this person, like to start with. Uh, but the person uh, who is doing this job would be doing it at very, very high accuracy because he's, he's been doing this for a long period of time. He's an expert in it. But the, when a machine learning uh, project starts at it, it actually starts at a, a not so accuracy. It might be at a lower level, but and every iteration, it starts to learn the mistakes it does, you know, like, you know, it's uh, basically, if someone is there detecting some sort of an uh, error um, issues in the machine, let's take a practical example. Someone is working in a machine uh, in, a, in, a, in a factory, and then this guy's work is to pick out defective items from the uh, pipe, uh, from the uh, assembly line, you know, that's all he does. He's been doing this for 20, 25 years, great experience, he's been doing it all the time. And then now a company says, no, let's replace this with a robo, which will do the same thing. But the thing is that when the robo is installed, it's still in a machine learning algorithm and it has some you know, robotic uh, arms to do it. But the funniest thing is initially when it starts, it's accuracy, the mistakes it does is like probably, it's almost like 80% efficiency compared to this guy who's at 100%, he's doing a very fabulous job. When it starts it at 80%. And then because of the mistakes it does, it slowly, and then all the mistakes it does is given as a feedback back to the algorithm, which is driving it. And then it starts to learn. So it goes from 80% to say maybe like 85. And then it goes on to 90, 95 and stuff. And slowly at some point of time, it is doing as good as the uh, man. The man also makes mistakes and the machine will also make a mistake. But that's the stage where we say, oh, it has reached the level of artificial intelligence. So it's just the maturity level of what you're building at different stages of it. So you start with the machine learning algorithm for automation, but it reaches that level when it's 
when someone can completely soundly say, hey, I can't really, I think this machine is doing as good as a job as the person. Now we can take that person out and put a robo there and it'll do the exact same thing the person has been doing for the last 20, 25 years, right? So the one the best advantage is because of huge amount of data, which can be fed and stuff like that. The one, this person took two to 20. So imagine this person, when he started, he also made a lot of mistakes, right? But over 25 years, he learned a lot. And then he's making a bit, uh, his brain or a neural network in his brain has actually learned a lot and he knows all the mistakes he did. And it's correcting over a period of 20, 25 years. But the missions or the algorithm basically does that in maybe like one to two years or like right. less. That's because you can dump in massive amount of data processing time and everything into it. And it doesn't get bored. It doesn't have emotions. It doesn't have any fatigue. So that's pretty much what really happens. So that is true with respect to everything. It's just simply replacing an, a mundane job or even a complex job like a surgery done by a surgeon. And it doesn't have to be a mundane job. It even could be a complex job like a surgeon, but replacing it with the mission. But everybody sees this uh, AI the vision of it's like they look at this all these uh, videos and stuff where the, you know surgeries are done by the robots and all this thing they get excited they, they completely forget there's so much work which goes on into which that the mission which is doing the surgery would have gone through this learning phase for the last maybe 10 years before you got to the stage of actually replacing the surgeon so that's yeah. really uh, so it's like just state of maturity i would say See, I love that. That's excellent. So you don't think then, Arun, that we're we're just uh, one step away from robots taking over the world then? Uh, no, robots can't do <laughs> we need, They need to be instructed and, uh, you know, they need to be given. The, the DNA is still with us. You know, the, the, people say human beings, we, have, we own our DNA, right? But at no point of time, any machine or like robots and stuff, they can be the best in the world, cyborgs and stuff. But the DNA is owned by humans. So as long as we own it, I think we are good. We're going to make our life easier so that we can spend more time with our family, do the real things humans have to do, right? I got stuck with uh, doing all these, uh, you know, imagine a human being a uh, thousand or 2000 years back, just being in an assembly line, picking stuff. It's not doing that thing. But because of advent of industrial revolution, men started doing these things. But I think it's time to be, give it back to the missions and let them do it. And let's, let's go back to the park and spend time with the family. And these mm. guys are doing it. So. Absolutely. man, I love that. That's excellent. The, um, it's definitely not an industry that's going away and certainly the need for data scientists and uh, you know either machine learning or AI uh, professionals and to your point there's uh, no difference from that it's it's more or less how much time you want to sink into the uh, the particular machine learning that you're you're doing um, the space is is not shrinking and, and obviously tons of venture funding and, and the like are going in and getting dumped into these um, these AI businesses. So I know there's a lot of interest. We've talked to a, a bunch of people that are looking to enter the space. And, and I know this is near and dear to your heart as well, um, trying to evangelize uh, the particular profession. Like what, what are the skills in particular that are, are needed or um, maybe requisite is a better way to think about it uh to, to be successful in in this space either ai or ml or, or whatever we're calling it 
Sure. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so I would say there is no uh, like a you know like a you can be from any background. So you can be an English major, you can be an history major. It doesn't matter, and uh, you know you can you can be a data scientist. You know, I just want to be very clear because there's a lot of notion saying that only people from computer science or stats or math. It's I don't think any of us, any of the math guys actually own it or a computer science school actually owns this domain. Because this is actually, you can come from any background and still do it. As far as requisites is concerned, you have to have a lot of passion for uh, data and uh, you have to get yourself dirty with data. So that's the term I want to use. That is fundamental. You have to be, you have to believe strongly that uh, if I see a piece of data and using that, I'll be able to solve any problems there. You have to be just convinced that that's the way it is. Is there's no shortcuts or anything? So you have to be completely. Uh, uh, you know, you have to buy that idea that you know data is going to solve your problems, mm. and that is very fundamental. And of course, there in terms of once I say data and stuff like that. So obviously, the biggest skill set I would say is to uh, for you to the ability to kind of uh, process the data, manipulate the data, transform the data. So that you should also have the ability to access the, uh, you know, get the data yourself, where they are and stuff, and then ability to take a look at look at the data and then see, apply the lens uh, to see, you know, go deep into the data and understand the data. So these are skills. It's like, for example, if it's like an English major, and this person is writing poetry and stuff like that. So you lose a lot of creativity to become, you know, there, and you have. Uh, the reason why you become really great is you have a great sense of rhythm and you have a great sense of vocabulary. You're great. You have a, I mean, a normal English major it has much better vocabulary than some like a math guy. You know, it's well known, right? That's exactly the requirement here. You need to be really a data savvy person in order to. So this is like a prerequisite. Just like you have a better vocabulary in your English major, you you have to have a very good uh, handle handle of the data. That's very fundamental. And if you don't really see that, then you then don't even get into the data science because that's fundamental. It's like, you know, you have to have that passion for data. That's first thing. I think as a piece of advice, I would say um, on top of it, also trying to uh, uh, get into the habit of programming, you know, that, you know, you don't have to be like uh, this uh, very, you know, high level programmer or anything, but the reason why programming is important is like it's easy for you to manipulate the data. It's not about acting, getting the data yourself. You can get the data, but you have to do some manipulation of the data. You have to create aggregates because raw data may not have much information, but when you aggregate, it gives you a lot of more signals and stuff. So you need to be able to take the average of something, you know, basic. And for this, all basic programming in R or Python, which are very, very intuitive to data. That's the best part of it. If you go like other languages like Java, C, C++, which is the traditional programming languages, they are not really uh, designed for data. They are all designed for building applications and stuff like that. So they, they are still great. But but when it comes to data, things like Python and R are highly designed to work with the data. So they are very intuitive languages. So which means you are passionate about data. You need something to help you you know, you cannot really take all the data and, you know, uh, write it yourself and, uh, you know, do these computations. You should make use of the compute power. So I would say a, a crash course in R and Python should also be, give you a head start. And then I will also say, um, 
you don't have to be reading all the math in the world or all the computer science algorithms in the world and all the stat, uh, stats in the world, but have some basic understanding of statistics as well as some basic computer science algorithms and stuff which is being used here. Uh, you know, the basic ones, uh, which are very, very useful to kind of build some predictive stuff and things. But uh, I think you can basically get even without programming and basic understanding of data, getting the data and doing things, you can be a very good business intelligence person. But if you want to take it to the full length of doing also the predictive stuff, then you really want to have more uh, skill sets of programming and um, and also some computer science algorithms and some stats back home definitely go a long way in making you a fully rounded uh, uh, data scientist. But you know, yeah. it's up to you in what level you want to be. You want to be in analytics, business intelligence, then you want to be very good at data and manipulation, SQL and uh, things like that. But if you want to get to the predictive stuff, then you want to have more uh, into you know, Python or some you know, programming as well as some uh, stats and stuff. So that's what the basic requirement. But you can achieve this uh, through courses by practicing. There's a lot of stuff, material out there in the wild, like Kaggle and other things. You don't even have to hunt for data. There's so much data already available. So it's up to you to just go ahead and put in the effort. And of course, nothing yeah. comes without effort. So that's important. Absolutely. And that passion seems to be a, a big reoccurring theme in this. They have to be passionate about data. Yes. Um, I love the term you use, you, know, you got to get dirty with the data. One of the things that I remember uh, we were talking about earlier was how the uh, academic uh, courses might not be fully preparing you for the real world. Um, mm -hmm. and, and part of it is uh, in terms of getting dirty with the data. Do, do you remember that piece we were yeah. talking about? Absolutely, yeah. So I've been advising a few universities and stuff where, you know, not a few universities actually have a master's in, or degree in data science exclusively for data science. And, uh, and they have been, I've been advising them. And one of the things which I've made changes in some of the university courses is to introduce an entire module where they actually deal with uh, dirty data. Because when you join a company, your data is not given in a platter saying that, hey, go take run it. No one tells you that data is there somewhere and you have to put in all the effort to do it. But a lot of courses uh, where short-term courses and stuff, because it, uh, getting data takes a lot of time, they shortcut that and then give you a very nice kosher data to start work. And everybody thinks okay, that's the real world, but that's not. So many universities, I've asked them to add these components of where there's a module where they actually need to deal with, uh, deal with dirty data, like very bad data, missing data and all those kind of stuff. And then they have to kind of learn the art on how do we use that data to you know, build stuff. So I think it's, uh, it's definitely important and that is something missing between the academic and the real uh, world setup. So I think that's- That's awesome. I, I remember that in the, so I was on the business side of that, but a uh, very similar experience when, uh, when you take an accounting course uh, in, in the academic, space it's always very buttoned up you know all the eyes are eyes are dotted and t's are crossed and then when you get in the real world it uh, it doesn't always uh, it doesn't always seem to line up so so nicely yeah uh, there's a big leap between uh, that and you know the reality and obviously when they teach the courses they want to make sure that you spend the, the time on the meat of it but when it comes to data science the meat is actually the data i don't really <laughs> all the other things you can learn as you go but 
the data part is super critical. So. Sounds like the manipulation and the, the confidence, I think is, is what you were saying, the confidence in the data, you know, understanding it through and through, really becoming familiar with it. That seems from what you're saying, at least what I'm gleaning from it is that's what's really core in, in being a data scientist. The, the predictive modeling, the application of it, the statistic nature to it, all of that is almost after the fact. It's almost, uh, you know, it can be applied to it, but it really starts the core of the profession is really in the familiarity and the confidence in the data. Yeah, I'll give you an example. There was a data scientist who used to work for me uh, in a previous uh, one of the startups. So you ask him any question about the data. So the data is like, uh, you know, multiple terabytes and stuff, right? You ask him any questions, how many data points, and then he'll tell you exactly the number, like, you know, 4,300,200, like exact. And then he'll tell you exactly how many fall into what categories and stuff. He had that entire data in his head. Consume. You ask him any question and then you'll be able to kind of tell you a right back and saying that uh, if you say you ask them to split up, did you find any uh, data points pertaining to a specific location? Did you find any data for California? And then you will say no. Yeah. And then you will go about saying that for each and every state, how many data points were actually there? There's like a split up of that. To me, that's the that's the state of which uh, where you understand, when I say understand the data, it's just data has consumed you or you have kind of taken a portion and then you track it and then it stays within your brain. You know, it doesn't go away. You know, it's like a non-volatile piece of information which stays. It's like your birthday or your wife's name or something. <laughs> it stays in you. So that's the kind of uh, um, commitment and passion you need to have for the data in order to, when, when I say that, so then things becomes very different, you know, then because you, because you know exactly what you have then you can imagine like what you can build with it, right? So. That, that's one of the things that I, I think we get asked a lot around data science in particular is every, everyone on the go-to-market side has a, a particular problem they're looking to solve. They've got something that they're looking to address. And even in your example there with the terabytes of data that the, uh, your colleague had memorized, th there was a problem that he was looking to solve, right? And he must have you know, had to understand uh, how it applied to the particular locations or whatever it is. So he already had gone through that problem solving uh, facet of it. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people have of machine learning or, or AI is that it's a, a magic wand approach, right? You just simply apply a model and then it's solved, Arun, it's done. You know, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of work with the data understanding and ultimately understand what are the features or what are the signals you're getting from the data, which basically will help you build the ultimate. So one of the core components of data science is, uh, uh, is called feature engineering. And this is a traditional machine learning, you do what is called feature engineering. And that's, that's the bulk of work of a data scientist all the time. You know, People think, okay, it's not the algorithm or anything because these are all algorithms that are already returned by someone and then you just make a call and then you're using it, but preparing the data to use for the algorithm and getting these features is where uh, data scientists actually spend a lot of the time. You know, there's a common question, if I know four algorithms, is that good enough for me to uh, think? You know, it's just, uh, it's part of your toolkit. You have a spanner and things like that, but, but you still need to know how to use them to, you know, like to solve your problem. So that's where all the creativity of the, 
um, you know, data scientists come to picture. What well, there are there are reasons why this uh, this field is considered to be um, you know like special. I, I don't want to use term use like terms like special, but why is it kind of hard to start with? Is uh, it is as tough as writing a poetry or writing a novel because you have to be creative too. There's a creative element also part of it. That's the reason I'm saying anyone can get into this field once they have the basics because you probably get a guy who's like an uh, English major to be more creative than like some other person. And creativity is key here. It's very much fundamental to making things work much better because you can kind of see that in a different light and it's very, very important. So uh, to me, that is also very, very important. Like, you know, like uh, the misconception and stuff is, uh, does exist, but I believe uh, there's so much to do with the data and the algorithm, it's all comes together. It's like a beautiful unison. You could, it's an orchestration. You will have the very nice or, you know, like a um, uh, great music come out of it. Only everything comes together, right? You, it's just not one skill sets. And almost everyone who comes into data science are coming from different backgrounds. That's the best part of this, right? They come from different backgrounds, different domain and stuff, and they all have gaps. So when I came into this, I was a math and stats guy. I didn't know much of computer science. I knew a little bit of it. So that was a big gap. Then I had to fill that gap in order to get better. So same with uh, someone coming from a computer science and he, he has some gaps in stats, then you need to fill it. So everyone comes with some gaps, which means everyone coming here with some sort of a learning needs to be done. And imagine, you will never get bored with doing something as long as you're learning, right? So to me, that's fundamental. That's what makes data science really exciting for most people, I believe, more than the money and fame and all these things. I think it keeps you very exciting because you always come into this with some uh, gap and then you start filling it and then which means you're constantly learning, keeping yourself up there. And this field is so fascinating and it's growing at such a great speed Things which you have talked about five years back are now become obsolete. It's going wow. down, going down, and then new things are coming up. So, which means it's you have to be on the top of it all the time. So, which means you know it forces you to learn all the time. To me, any space, any place where you're constantly learning, you can never get into boredom. Which means you're never lethargic. You're always on the hook to you know, keep improving. So, I love it. I love the. Uh... I love the passion you have for it too, Arun. I really, I feel it, man. It's uh, it's such a, an expanding space to be in and it's such a hot career path right now. I think there's so much reluctance to get into it, but the same, um, because it's, it's intimidating in some degree, right? People feel like they're not qualified for it. But to your point, it's not about that. It's about showing up with the skills you do have, having a passion for, for problem solving and obviously for creativity um, will play an element in that. And then uh, progressing, right? Obviously it's got a, a very high skill cap there. Um, so it really, the, the, the world's your oyster. Yeah, it's true with everyone. I always say every expert is a beginner to start with. So I'm not in the stage where I am today without that all that, uh, 20 plus years of learning, right? I even today also, I, I look at, uh, try to learn each and every day. I always say, but I mean, that's that's what really gets you to places. You know, if you want to really get into data science, I don't think there is, I think enough resources, 
enough ways to get in. There is enough mentors. Like there's a lot of the scope available. It is just this individual person's motivation to do something big gets them there. So it's not about. There's nothing intimidating about data science. It's actually. It's probably one of the you know the best places to be in for most people. Uh, I mean, it's not about forget about the lucrative and you know other things, right? Even otherwise, it's very very. Uh, I want to keep it simple. The way I look at it is, once someone gets into data science and after a while they start working, they'll experience godliness in them. You know, I'm truly really <laughs> saying that because you know many cultures define God in a different way. I mean, in the data world, I'd say whenever you find something. Which you have not seen, like some insights from the data. You find something. You're discovering something, right? And then it's like you found something, which is you become an inventor each and every day. That's like you almost becoming like a god uh, kind of a feeling. Yo, know, I found something. In other words, you will actually have this kind of excitement and feeling almost every other day in your job. Like right. I doubt uh, I'm biased here. But I'm saying I don't think there are many jobs which will actually give you this kind of a satisfaction on each and every day, because you sure. constantly work on. You are you, the thing is that you are always uh, the problem. Your the the problem statement for data scientists itself is to solve problems. You know, find insights. Is that's your job, and when you find insights, you're going to be like, wow, eureka moments all the time. You're going to be Archimedes almost all every other day. So you know, how many people get to have this kind of an experience? Data science and experience this godly uh, godliness uh, within you. <laughs> when your job is finding revelations, it's a uh, it's a good okay. spot to be. Yeah, you are a prophet. You are a prophecy. <laughs> uh, you know, you are like uh, you are like a Jesus Christ or Muhammad or you know any other. So you are doing this each and every day. So. I mean, I'm going too extreme, but that's reality. So I'm. That's the reason I'm not. I'm not lost the enthusiasm which I had like many years back. Even still, it's the same enthusiasm because every time something new comes up, and then we deliver something, and the customers are excited about you know that they are finding insights, and they are saying, "Oh, this has been very useful." There are occasions when a customer. Uh, I still remember when I was in Visa, and uh, the cybersecurity team basically said the the the. That we have effectively cut down the time they used for like ticketing and stuff by you know quite a lot of minutes, and that when they come and appreciate that you whatever work you have done actually made my life better, made my you know it's it's much faster than what I used to some think. I don't think that's what you live for, you know, like you have these kind of goosebump moments all the time, you know, yes. which is. Uh, which is what makes this industry really exciting and i really want many people to come and embrace it and i i strongly believe like there's enough stuff out there which will help you cross the you know like the hurdles and stuff and be you can be very a shining star in this field so i love it so if we've got junior uh junior data science folks or people aspiring to become data scientists looking to uh looking to join the team around you got any openings for them I, I might have because of the COVID, you know, things are getting uh, slowed down. Yeah, obviously, you know, work um, day hires all the time, you know, it's like, you know, definitely. So, I mean, this is not going away. So yeah, post COVID and uh, th th this particular side, as I said, it's a huge uh, uh, supply demand issue. There's a lot of demand, but very little supply. 
and I believe uh, you know once people start embracing it, um, you know they have to just take the steps towards it. Please do. That's all I'm saying. And there's plenty of. Uh, oh, I mean, I think this is one of the area which is actually having a job growth rate of almost like 300 percent or something like that. Yeah, I think it was rated one of the the hottest jobs uh, or career paths. Um, out and there. This is actually also, I would say, a kind of a way of security for most people when they get once they get into this side is because I talked to you about AI ML, right? At some point of time, that person was getting replaced by this robo, right? But what if this person is also someone who's equipped to kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, manage that robo? You know, it's like basically in the sense is able to kind of uh, maintain that robo with you know the data knowledge and stuff. So. Instead of just person who's this, doing this Monday job, start embracing data, start learning data science, get into this, then you'll be one of those guys who is actually uh, who's forming the DNA of the robot. So you actually get to control the robot too. It looks like the uh, the robot is taking your job, but if you look at the bright side, we'll start uh, you know getting into the other side of it, then you'll start controlling the robot, and you'll still you'll be actually getting paid more money for doing yeah. less. You're getting promoted. You're getting uh, you're a manager of robots. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So and uh, and you're not far away because you already know what you the robot is doing, and you already have the domain knowledge of what needs to be done. All that you need to is fill the gap of how it's done in an automated way, and that's it. And then then you pretty much know how to you know take care of it from that end, and suddenly your life becomes much better. So you don't you're not spending hours together and you know physically doing something, but instead of controlling the robot to do the job for you. I want more people to get into that so that you're not lost. Don't be that person who's actually, who's thinking, oh, I'm going to be getting replaced by a robot, but start embracing data and data science and be the person who will control the robot. Uh, and then like, you know, uh, that, that's a new world. You, I think I want everyone to be prepared for it. So, Absolutely, I love it, I love the advice. Yeah, and that's the one way you can do it through is by data and data science. There is no other shortcut there. So, and start doing it today. It. Five, ten years from now, you'll be one of the shining stars there. I love it. It's fast growing, man. It's where to be. You, you've watched the podcast, obviously, Arun. We always ask at the end of the podcast if there's someone you'd recommend we bring on, someone that you think would be a good guest, a good speaker. Uh, sure. I think uh, I want to recommend uh, my friend uh, from Yahoo, Eric Bax. I think he's, uh, he has a PhD in Caltech. He was a professor. Uh, he would be an extremely uh, good guy. He's, he's one of the best uh, guys I've ever met in my life in terms of everything, you know, as a person, as a, as a scientist, as an inventor, in whatever way. So I think he would be a great person. I think, I think the second person I want to recommend is Krishna Narayanan. Uh, he works very with, uh, with me at Workday. And he's like an exceptional guy in terms of uh, uh, product management and AI, ML, and all those kind of stuff. And he has so much experience, and he would be a fantastic guy to uh, bring to this. And there's just one more uh, for now, and maybe I'll add more in the near future. There's one more guy, um, uh, Naveen Sundar. He, I consider him almost like on the lines of being a genius. Uh, so he would be a fantastic guy to have a conversation around very advanced topics in machine learning and stuff like that, like the cutting edge, things like which Google and Facebook are doing. He would be a fantastic guy to, um, I mean, I come for a data science 101, maybe he's a good guy for data science 1001 or something like that. <laughs> so 
So that's that's awesome. Guy, the last person I want to add is uh, uh, Sheikh Amanullah, and he's a great friend of mine. He had been I've been associated with him for many years now. Uh, he was not like he's a great example because he was not like a guy who was in um, AIML like even like a few years back. Uh, he was a Java programmer and he's an exceptionally smart guy and stuff. But he started working on this field and now he's considered to be one of the you know best cloud architects in AIML at Microsoft. So you can imagine you'd be I think a great person to kind of uh, uh, talk about how to there are a lot of people who is in the traditional computer science and they want to get into the AIML space. You'd be a guy who can actually give a lot of directions on how to go about making the journey. So awesome yeah. to follow up with you on all those. That's awesome though. Shay, Naveen, Krishna, Eric, you got the the whole squad. We're gonna have to bring them on. Oh uh, yes, you should. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this is great, Aaron. I can't thank you enough, man. And and uh Obviously, people are going to want to get in contact with you. What's uh, what's the best means? LinkedIn or something else? Yeah, LinkedIn is good. Yeah, you can. Uh, LinkedIn is pretty good. I'm. Uh, you know, I do respond to most people, so you know, out there. So LinkedIn is probably the best, and and it has my. Uh, yeah, that's good enough. Like, uh, and of course, uh, if there are uh, through once they connected with LinkedIn, and you can they can always email me and stuff. So I'm. I'm as I said, I'm very passionate. I do this as a as a volunteer too. So I, you know, I do this uh, as, as a, a life goal to get in more people excited about it. So I'm happy to help anyone to get into this field in whatever way possible. So I do a lot of mentorship. I am actually, uh, I recently concluded a data science summit for women uh, where I was a mentor and I'm doing one for minorities uh, a data science summit where I'm again a mentor. So I, I'm like, I'm very passionate about this, so I welcome more and more people to come into the fold, and uh, you know I want to be instrumental in getting more people into this. So I'm happy to you know, uh, get uh, get in touch. A anyone can get in touch with me related to this, and I'm happy to help. I love it. Thank you, Arun. And and you heard it there, Sunny Side Up listeners. Reach out to Arun. He's gonna gonna chat with you about getting into to data science. Um, in joining the profession. Arun, can't thank you enough, my friend. Uh, it was it was a, a pleasure and I learned a whole bunch, which I'm not surprised. <laughs> Thanks, man. Hey, take care. Thanks a lot. You have All a great right. day. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.